For the last few weeks, we have been spending all of our time talking about the preparation of Christmas, and here it is, ready or not. And you had a couple of days maybe stolen from your preparation by the abominable snowman that dumped the ice on us over the last few days. But my hope and prayer for us as a church is that our heart is prepared for Christmas. It should be. We should be excited about what God is doing and what God has done and what he continues to do. And as we think about that, there are a couple of passages of scripture that I wanted to read for us tonight that I think sum up where we have been in our preparations. The book of Hebrews, which you've already heard from tonight in the 11th chapter, says this. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen, For by it our ancestors won God's approval. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what was seen was made from things that are not visible. It's a funny thing to be at Christmas and be celebrating something that none of us have ever laid eyes on. None of us have ever seen. We've not tasted or touched or handled or we have not experienced it in the way that we read from the scriptures like the the shepherds were able to experience it or the wise men were able to experience it or we were not able to experience it like uh, Mary and Joseph were when when they were warned by angels in visions and dreams or when the angel visited Mary. They, They had a different perspective on it. But we are able to do something that our forefathers were not able to do. So many of them were looking forward to a day that was going to come, and we're looking back to a day that has come. We have the Word of God that guides us through this, and I'm so grateful for it. But even still, it says for us that faith is the guiding reality of everything that is hoped for and the proof of what is not seen. Uh, you would have to uh, be a little bit mysterious, wouldn't you, to come into a place like this and wonder, what are all these people gathered for and what is it about this baby Jesus that they talk about? It it feels strange. It it feels a little uncommon. And yet for us, the Savior of the world was born some 2,000 years ago in a place called Bethlehem, David's town. And he was born to initiate something for us. It said that this faith that we have as we look back on Jesus is the same faith that our ancestors had as they won God's approval. If you continue reading through the book of Hebrews, it says it over and over and over again. By faith, these people did things. By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen, motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out going to a place that was unfamiliar. By faith, Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received. You see, it's our faith all along that guides us into our relationship with Jesus Christ. I hope that you'll be back here tomorrow because tomorrow's going to be a special day. Uh, I don't think I've ever experienced a Christmas day like we're going to have tomorrow when we have the pleasure and the opportunity to baptize six people who by faith have placed their belief, their hope in the person of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us so long ago. And it's by faith that we receive all of these things that God has promised for us. By faith, we understand the universe was created by the word of God. That should sound familiar, shouldn't it? Can I read it for you? The gospel of John says it like this in chapter one. 
In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning and all things were created through him and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life and that life was the light of men. As our children learn tonight, Jesus came to make a dark night bright. And as the night gets darker around us, the life of Christ shines brighter and he shines for us to see all that God is doing. The light shines in the darkness and yet the darkness did not overcome it, it says. We may feel today that that's not always true. We may feel like the darkness sometimes overcomes the light and we may feel like we're overwhelmed by it, but we believe by faith this universe was created by God on purpose for us. He did it in a way that is miraculous because that is the story. It's a miracle. I'm always surprised when our faith falters in the little things. We believe God for such the big things. But do you not believe that God created the heavens and the earth by his word? By faith we believe these things, the scripture says. By faith we approach these things. And I've said this to you so many times, but it's our faith that initiates our relationship with God. You see, we were sinners separated from God, under God's wrath, destined for eternity, separated from him in hell. And God, knowing that we were in a predicament as such, we could not fix it on our own, sent Christ to die in our place. And by faith we receive his offering of his life, his blood shed for us, And our faith placed in the person of Christ, God's own son, makes us alive. Believing that God raised him from the dead and that he sits at the right hand of the father today, by faith we believe these things. And so we look back on these things and as we look back, there's there's this... Uh, this real sense in our lives, I think, of, of all the great things that God has done and it fills us with so much joy and it gets us excited about the season and I hope you're excited about tomorrow and all that it will bring for the things that you will do and celebrate with us as a church family. And yet, there's a little bit of a hole in our lives, isn't there? Because our faith has not yet become sight. But it will be. It's all not yet. It will be. In fact, the scripture tells us of a day that's coming and we long for it and yearn for it. The book of Revelation talks about our eternal home in chapter 21 and verse three. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them and they will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and he will be their God and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. See, our faith, we often think about being saved in this moment and I'm so glad that we are, but Our faith uh, tells us that we just got a little bit of the down payment of what's yet to come, folks. And that yearning that we feel in our lives when we watch things on the news and we experience the death rattle in our souls and we go through the dark night of the soul and we walk through the valley of the shadow of death and we face uncertainty, all of that is meant to point us to a city that is going to be untarnished by those things. And so it's proper for us tonight to be excited about what God has done in faith 
and to look with great anticipation and expectation about what he will do in faith. Because one day the Bible says that Jesus is going to come back and when he comes back, if he came as, as the scripture has described it to a little town called Bethlehem where not many people were aware of his coming and a lot of people missed what was going on, the Bible says that when he comes back, there won't be any doubt. The scripture says that he'll split the eastern sky like a thief in the night. The trumpet will sound and Jesus will come to call us home. And so tonight, as we experience and think back to his first coming, it ought to make us think about his second coming with gladness. To that day when we will be with the Father face to face, where we won't need light anymore. You won't have to have a candle. You won't have to have a flashlight. You won't have to flip on the lights at Christmas or turn on the tree because it says that God himself will be our light. We will be in his presence and we will never experience the darkness again. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you tonight, have you ever met my Savior? Have you ever called him your Savior? Have you ever come to a place in your life where you recognize your need for a Savior? The Bible says that we have all fallen short, that we are all substandard. We, we don't measure up to God's standards. And so God, in his wisdom and, and his grace towards us, sent Jesus to die on the cross for us, Knowing that we could never get to God, God made a way for us to be with him by sending Jesus to come and die in our place. And the Bible says that if you would believe that Jesus died in your place and confess that he is Lord of all, believing that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. Have you ever done that? Has there ever been a moment in your life when you've done that? Can I ask you, just now, if you would, I'm going to ask all of us in the room just to bow our heads and, and close our eyes and just to enter into a moment with the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here because a family member brought you or a friend and we're so grateful that you are. And, and maybe this is the first time you've ever heard the good news of the gospel presented that Jesus loves you with an everlasting love that he died in your place. Maybe today you would just be honest with me and say, if I died tonight, I don't know if I'd spend eternity in heaven. So I want to invite you. Why not make Jesus Lord of your life tonight? Why not place your faith in him? You can do it. The Bible says with three easy steps. The first is that you have to admit that you're a sinner. That sounds easy, doesn't it? It's easy for us to say, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But it's bigger than that, isn't it? Because not being perfect doesn't really get to the level of the gravity of the moment that we are sinners who have violated God's holy word, his precepts, his laws. For you to admit that tonight would be the first step. Could you just say, I'm a sinner? You don't have to say it out loud, but say it in your heart to the Lord. If you've come this far with me, the next step is to believe that Jesus is God's son who died for us. The Bible says he came and died on the cross in our place, that your sin and my sin was placed on his shoulders. He was beaten and bruised for us. 
and nailed to a rugged cross, hands and feet, giving his life for us. Do you believe that tonight? If you do, why don't you just say to the Lord in the quietness of your heart, I believe Jesus is the Savior who died for me. Thank him for dying for you. Father, we are so humbled in this moment to be able to admit and then believe. And that last step, Lord, is the hardest, isn't it? For us to commit our lives to you. And for the person who's come this far to say, I admit and I believe, Holy Spirit, we ask you to move in power in their lives and to change their lives. Lord, would you call them to salvation tonight? Father, we thank you that all who believe and confess are saved. And for that person tonight who's never done that, I pray tonight would be the night of salvation and that Christmas would mean something more wonderful to them than it ever has before. And we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. One of the things that the scripture tells us to do is to take the Lord's Supper. And we do it for a number of reasons. The scripture tells us that it's a gospel presentation to the world that every time we do this, we're proclaiming the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ until he comes back. And so as we take the supper in just a moment, we're reminding ourselves that God has come and he will come again and he has paid the penalty for our sins in the death of Jesus Christ, his son. The Bible also says it's a time of reflection for us to make certain that we are in right relationship with the Lord. I say this to you often, but if you're not in right relationship with the Lord, it'd be better for you just to pass on the supper tonight to get things right between you and the Lord than to take the supper as if there is no issue. I've asked Samuel if he would pray for us tonight in his heart language and then we'll continue with our service. Amado Padre, muchas gracias por la bendición y la y el honor que tenemos esta noche de poder compartir la cena del Señor, la cena que tú, Señor, compartiste por primera vez con tus discípulos y esta noche, Señor, estamos compartiéndolo con nuestros hermanos. Gracias, honra y gloria sea para ti, Señor, Dios Todopoderoso, por darnos la salvación, por entregarnos, Señor, Dios a tu Hijo Jesucristo. Gracias, Señor, porque tu vida entregaste, Señor, por nosotros. Y hoy, Señor, podemos recordar esto, recordar que, tú, eh, que tu carne fue molida y que tu sangre fue entregada por nosotros. Queremos, Señor, que nuestro, nuestras vidas también sean eh, sacrificio vivo, Señor, para que también tú recuerdas, Señor, que nosotros estamos para servir aquí, mientras estemos aquí. En Cristo Jesús oramos. Amén. Amén.